Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. We'll be reading just the first 21 verses of this chapter. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, <clears throat> before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight in our study of the book of Acts, we come to what is probably the most well-known story in the book, the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. 
Uh, this is probably one of the first things we think about. We think about the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, and the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon the people. As familiar as this text may be, um, it is often, I would suggest, subtly misunderstood. Some refer to this text and the Pentecost event as the beginning of the church. But we know that Acts is a book about what Jesus began to do and continued to do. The church is not simply a New Testament phenomenon. The church has been throughout history. God calling a people into a particular relationship with him. That was certainly true with Old Testament Israel. They were God's chosen people. Before that, God had come to Abraham and spoken to him and made a covenant with him. In fact, we could go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where we have Adam and Eve in fellowship with each other and in fellowship with God. The church has been, from the beginning, of time. In a certain sense, nothing new happens on Pentecost. It is the continuation of God's Old Testament work now in the New Testament era. God continues to, to work with his people. Oh, we see a, a fullness going on here, but it's the same work God has always been doing. In fact, uh, Pentecost is an Old Testament celebration. Uh, we may look at that more fully. Uh, two weeks from now is Pentecost Sunday. And I've been thinking about what to preach on that Sunday. And we may spend some time talking uh, more fully in this text uh, about, about how Pentecost uh, is not new, but it's something very old. It's the continuation of God's work. And so I've called the sermon tonight, The Spirit of the Old Testament in the New. It's not as if the Holy Spirit is uh, something new on Pentecost. He has always been active, always been working throughout history, but we see a fullness, we see an expansion of that work, all that Jesus continues to do and to teach in this time. And, and, and the physical events that surround Pentecost bring our minds back to the Old Testament again. Notice, children, what the first verse says. When the day of Pentecost arrived... Now, it's not as if after this event happened, they started calling the day Pentecost. They were gathered because it was Pentecost. Pentecost was one of the three main Old Testament feasts, and their lives were often structured around those feasts. There was the, peace, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The, the Feast of Passover is also called the Feast of First Fruits. It was at the beginning of the barley harvest. The Feast of Weeks is also referred to as the Feast of Pentecost. 
Why was it called Pentecost? Because it happened seven weeks, a week of weeks, after the Passover. Uh, 49 days, a week of weeks plus the Passover, 50 days. Hence the name Pentecost. Penta has in it that idea of five, 50. They were gathering for an Old Testament celebration. They were gathering for an Old Testament festival. The Feast of Tabernacles, the third of those feasts, takes place four months later. It was part of their life. And so it doesn't surprise us when we read, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were in Jerusalem, where you would celebrate this glorious feast, this Feast of Weeks, this Feast of Pentecost. It is, it is an Old Testament celebration in the New Testament era. And again, as I said, we see that in what happens when they were together to celebrate Pentecost. Verse 2, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. They heard the sound of a wind. And how many times in the Old Testament isn't wind a picture of the power of God? Think, children, of the story in Ezekiel 37, the story of the dry bones. I love that Old Testament story, how Ezekiel sees this valley filled with dry bones, and suddenly those bones start to move and start to clink and start to come together, and they form a great army, and God says, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy to the breath, to the spirit. It's all the same word. Prophesy to the spirit, the wind, and these things become alive. Evidence of the power of God. Our own setting in the Psalter hymnal of Psalm 104 says, God rides on the clouds, the wings of the wind, the lightning and winds his missions perform. The wind is a picture, an expression of the power of God. And on that Pentecost day, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. That Old Testament picture now seen in the new. What happens next? Verse 3. And divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. We've talked about this a number of times, how fire is a picture of the presence of God, an Old Testament picture. We read that tonight from Psalm 97 of God's lightnings. We think back to the Old Testament Mount Sinai, and on the top was the, the, the lightnings they could see, the flashes, a picture of the presence of God. We see that in the tabernacle story. As the tabernacle is finished and God's glory cloud descends and fills the tabernacle, a picture of the presence of God in the light. We talked about that a couple weeks ago in the ascension, how Jesus is received by this glory cloud, a picture of the presence of God taken once again back into heaven. These Old Testament pictures now being seen in the new. And then verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. Probably the, the highlight of the Pentecost event. The speaking in all these tongues by the apostles. There have been some who have suggested that what we are seeing here in Acts chapter 2 is a manifestation of what Paul will describe later in 1 Corinthians 14, speaking in tongues, that what we call today speaking in tongues, speaking in an unintelligible language. 1 Corinthians 14. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries, <coughs> mysteries in the Spirit. I would suggest, based on Paul's description of speaking in tongues, that is not what is going on here. These apostles are not speaking in unintelligible tongues. Paul goes on, goes on in that same chapter. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The speaking in tongues at Pentecost was not a uh, charismatic movement where they were speaking all kinds of foreign languages, unintelligible, but they were speaking languages known by all the people. They were speaking languages that they would be recognized by all who'd come to Jerusalem, who came for this celebration, who knew it was Pentecost, and as they're there, they hear these men speak in their tongues. And they're astonished. They're overwhelmed. In fact, verse 7, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And lists all these parts of the globe. They were hearing them tell the mighty works of God. We're going to look next week uh, more particularly at the sermon itself that is preached. But for tonight, we notice even, even on a casual reading, this sermon is connected with the Old Testament. And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. He takes them back to the Old Testament. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your, your old men shall dream dreams. Taking them back to God's Word in the Old Testament. No, Pentecost was not something new. Pentecost is not a New Testament holiday. Pentecost is the spirit of the Old Testament now being manifest in the new. And that being the case, if this is not something brand new that God is doing, what is if we look at God's economy of salvation, if we look at the history of redemption, what is the significance of the story as a whole as it relates 
to the Old Testament. What is going on here? What is it God is continuing to do in his work of revealing Jesus Christ? And I would suggest tonight that what we are seeing in the Pentecost event is not something new, as I've said, it's a continuation of the old. What we are seeing in the Pentecost event is a reversal of an Old Testament event. In Pentecost, we see the reversal of the Tower of Babel. Now, children, remember that story back in Genesis chapter 11. In fact, if you have your Bible, turn back to Genesis chapter 11. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. Genesis chapter 11. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Now, we looked at this story only a little over a year ago in our series on Genesis. But you remember the story, children. One language being spoken and the desire of the people to build a city and to build a tower, and to make a name for themselves. They would make a name for themselves with a tower that would reach up its top up to heaven, making an assault against God himself. The, the height of human pride and arrogance expressed in this tower at Babel. And what happens? God comes down. God comes down to those who were all speaking one language and he confuses their language to many languages. Now, why would I suggest that Babel is, a, is I mean, that uh, Pentecost is a reversal of that? Now, we have those who are coming from the ends of the earth, all coming back to Jerusalem, speaking their own languages, but now all those languages hearing one fundamental message. Not, not many all doing their own thing. Many hearing one. Hearing the mighty works of God. God comes down by the power of the Spirit, speaks to all these nations, but speaks one message, one voice, speaking the mighty 
works of God, a reversal of what took place at the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel incident, the people had been given a mandate to fill the earth, to subdue it, but they were disobedient. They said, let's make a name for ourselves here. Let's stay together. And again, God comes down and he, he disperses them. At Pentecost, God again comes down, but this time the scattering will not be a curse. It will be a blessing. God comes down and they hear the mighty works of God in all their own languages. They hear that one glorious message and they will now take this message and go back where they came from. Not as a curse, but as a blessing. As the gospel will now be spread throughout the world. They are sent with a glorious message. It, it is still that same fundamental uh, mission that the church has today. We are sent with a message of Jesus Christ and His salvation. And that message goes out to the nations, to all the peoples, all hearing this glorious work of God. I'm so pleased that tonight the deacons brought to us the Wycliffe Bible translators as the cause for our offerings, engaged in bringing that one message to the various language groups. That's the, that's the, the mission of the church of God. The church is not for one particular ethnic people. Let's make a name for ourselves. The church is not for one social group of people, not one economic group of people. But the church is for all who hear, who confess the mighty works of God in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's the same message that goes out again tonight. To, to put your faith, to put your trust in that Jesus Christ, the one who fulfilled the mighty works of God, the one who revealed himself what he began to do and teach in the Gospels, and what he continues to do by the power of his Spirit in the New Testament era, the era in which we live. God continues that spreading of the blessing of the Gospel around the globe. And he calls once again tonight, for all who hear that message to put their faith, their hope, their trust in Him as the God who does all things well. This, this event was to be a blessing for the people, not a curse. As they would hear the message, as they would go back to their own homes. But I, I have to confess, while, while this is a blessing for the church, a reversal in some ways of Babel, the spirit of Babel still often dwells in the New Testament church. Let's make a name for ourselves. And when we see God work by the power of His Spirit, and bring the nations in, it's so easy for us to say, look what we have done. Look what we have accomplished. Taking the glory to ourselves 
rather than giving glory to God. I heard a press conference in the last week or so of a number of um, evangelical ministers who were saying, yeah, in my church we have 10,000 members. In my church we have 8,000 members. In my church we have 20,000 members. And I have to say, I have to confess, I would say in my heart, wouldn't it be great to have a church like that? 20,000 members to preach to. But would it be for God's glory? Or would it be, look what I have done? Spirit of Babel, wanting to make a name for ourselves, is always so close when God gives his blessing. Our goal as a church certainly must be to continue the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth and to our neighbors around us here. But it is always, it always must be for the glory of God. Not to say, look what I have done. Look how many people I brought in. I can, I can check that one off the list. I brought five, six, eight, ten new members to our church. That's Babel talking. Rather than saying, look what God has done. By the power of this Spirit now poured out at Pentecost upon that continuing church of the living God. God is at work, and God is powerful, and that's what we hold on to. That's our assurance, that the growth of the church, while God uses us for that growth, the growth of the church is ultimately his responsibility, and therefore he gets the glory, which is why we can share the truth of the gospel, as I've said many times, indiscriminately with those around us, for God will continue to build his church, and when he does, we do not say, look what I have done. We say, look at the mighty works of God as he continues to, to reverse Babel, that curse of the many different languages, but now them all see, hearing that one glorious message, the message of Jesus Christ. We live on this side of Pentecost. Oh, may God help us with eyes open to see what he is doing as he continues to build his church. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we praise you for your word, for the truth revealed in your word. It is so easy for us, Lord God, to look with very uh, a narrow view and miss the overall scope of what you are doing as you continue to draw all of your people unto yourself and into your church. Thank you for Pentecost, for this Old Testament celebration, which you have renewed in the outpouring of your Spirit. May we celebrate the work that you continue to do. We ask, oh God, that you would give us the blessing of your Holy Spirit, that you might use us to reach out with that glorious commission you've given to bring the one message of the gospel to the many languages and peoples and nations. Hear us, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to number 397 in the Psalter hymnal. Number 397, Dwell in me, O blessed Spirit, 
how I need thy help divine. In the way of life eternal, keep, O oh, keep, this heart of mine. Dwell in me, O oh, blessed spirit, gracious teacher, friend divine, for the home of bliss that waits me. Oh, prepare this heart of mine. We're going to sing all three verses, 397. 